your Bible tonight. Page 1322, if you've got a Schofield Bible. If you don't have a Schofield Bible by now, y'all be ashamed of yourself. Amen. Page 1322, 1 John chapter 2. We'll begin reading verse number 15. And I'm, not, I'm going to let you say it if you don't go to sleep on me. Amen. We have looked in the last few weeks that obedience confirms our standing. We looked last Wednesday night, love commands our standing. But the competition for our obedience and love is found in these verses right here. But before we get there, you'll need not turn to them. Matthew twenty two thirty six says, Master, which is the great commandment in the law, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The help of God, I want to preach on living for another world. Living for another world. I'm going to ask Bill Cashman, if he would, to lead us to a throne of grace. Oh, yes. Help us. Oh, yes. Yes. Amen. The text begins with a command. Love not the world. Pretty simple, isn't it? It's the only command in the text. And so it becomes the main point. Everything else is an argument, an incentive of why we should not love the world. Now, the word world speaks of three different things in the Word of God. Number one, it refers to the earth. Acts 17, 24. God that made the world and all things therein. He's speaking of the earth as we know it. 
It refers to mankind. For God so loved the world. Not talking about earth. He's talking about mankind that He gave His only begotten Son. Now whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There are times when we have both of those used. John 1.10 He was in the world, earth, and the world was made by Him, and the world, mankind, knew Him not. But in the text that we have tonight, He's not speaking about the earth, He's not speaking about mankind, He's speaking about a system, if you will, of things. Has the ideal of a, a system that opposes God and going in the opposite direction. It refers to an attitude, if you will, and activities of our life and the purposes in our life. John Mitchell uh, said this. He said it is a, a system, uh, an economic, a, a religious system, if you will. Now, it started in Genesis chapter 4 with a man by the name of Cain. Comes to God, he brings the fruit of his hand, and he he sets up a, a, a system, if you will, that is opposed to God and opposite of God. You'll find that it continues on. We preached on Sunday in the Tower of Babel, all through the Bible you'll find that this world system is always trying to get a hold of the people of God and the children of God. Warren Wisby said this, the world in the Bible is Satan's system for opposing the work of God on earth. It is the very opposite of what is godly and holy and spiritual. 1 John 5, 19 said, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies in wickedness. Satan is the one energizing behind this system. I think sometimes we, as believers, we get caught up in the world's mindset, and we start opposing men uh, as our president or, or this group or that group and fail to understand there's a devil behind all of it, amen? There's a Satan that is energizing behind the scene. Luke 16, 18, And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of life. Now, we may live on this world planet earth and in this world in the system of it God is very clear I mean he he makes no bones about it we're not to be of this world now I got in big letters here note there are those who believe that they can live in both worlds that they can love the world and then love the other world. Well, allow me to help you. You can't. 
Matthew 6, 24. No man, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot, you cannot serve God and mammon. So God said, I want you to live for another world. Amen? Not only does he say, I want you to live for another world, he said, I want you to love another world. Amen? And you, we find in the text, so let's get into it. First of all, we say, our love for this world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, someone says, so does that mean we're not to love everybody? No, First John 2.10, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there's none occasion of stumbling in him. We're to love everybody, but we're not to love everything. Did you get what I'm saying? We're to love everybody, but not love everything. As a matter of fact, he says this. He said there is an attitude that we are to possess. We ought to have as born-again believers. And literally the wording is this. There ought to be a hatred for this world. It is an attitude that would dictate how we feel and what we do. Has the idea that there'll be no affection for the world and no association with the world. Doesn't mean we're not to be a witness. We are. But let me just say this. If lost folks are comfortable around you, something wrong with you. If lost individuals are not bothered, I, I tell folks all the time, you know, man, you get saved, you don't have to worry about friends. They'll leave you. Amen. You're genuinely born again. And those people that say they're friends, they're not going to want to hang around you. You're going to be different. As we find here, because you see, this world, and we need to understand this, this world leaves God out of their plans, their purposes, and their procedures, and even in their play. Everything they do, they leave God out of it. And so the attitude is that we're to hate this world. But then there's an affection God said that you and I have to protect. If any man... Man, love the world. The love of the Father is not in him. Well, preacher, I just tell you, I love this and I love this about the world. But boy, I love Jesus. No, according to this. According to this. He says, no. He says, you're not going to love one and then love the Father. I mean, I don't know about you, but this is really black and white. There, there's no gray area here. I mean, 
If we love the world, you say, preacher, what is that? I'm not sure I'm getting it. Well, let me be very clear. If you love the world's money, the world's pleasures, the, the world's uh, power, then you just don't love God. It's that simple. It's just that simple. Uh, is that clear enough? <laughs> I mean, if we love that, and he's very, he's very black and white. And uh, see, the goal of this world that Satan energized is to keep us from loving God. Now, our world does everything it can to, to destroy our love for God. Sam Gordon said this, If the world cannot stop us from obeying it will try to stop us from loving. And if the world cannot stop us from loving, it will make us love the wrong thing. John Wesley made this statement. He said, Worldliness as anything is anything that cools or takes from our love for God. And so it is anything that keeps me from loving God as I'll love Him and from doing the will of God. A couple first graders went on a tour in the hospital and asked the nurse, and why, why is everybody always washing their hands? And the uh, nurse said, there's two reasons. First, they love health. Number two, they hate germs. Christians... Born again, blood-washed believers, blood-washed believers are to love God and live for another world and hate this one. Now, let me just, let's just get down where we all live. Uh, Miss Carol, great song, amen. Would it be okay tonight if Dwayne brought a girlfriend to sit on the other side of you. And would it be okay if he looked at you and said, Now, Carol, I love you with all my heart. But Susie Q, Gertrude, we'll call her Gertrude. Gertrude, I love you just as much. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you would say, that? That's just, preacher, that just ain't right. How many would agree, that's not right. And yet... You say, preacher, hallelujah. That's adultery. I say, amen. But you realize thousands of blood-washed, born-again Christians are committing spiritual adultery every day of their life. They love money more than they love God. They love their toys more than they love God. They love, they love possessions. They love, they love things. They love power. They love pleasure more than they love God. Yet they'll assemble at the house of God. Oh, how I love Jesus. And the truth is, you just lied. You say, preacher, you call me a liar? Only if you're guilty. You dare not stand up because we'll all know it's you. 
our love for this world. Now, so God comes on. Now, I love this. Now, it's very clear. It's very clear. Well, that's the reason why. That's the reason why that it is, it is, it's, God, God, it's just black and white. Amen? Our love for this world. Number two, our living in this world. Now, the command was love not the world. Now he comes and he tells us how we're got to live in this world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now, didn't know if you knew this, but the world's after you. world's after you. It deceives us. They're thinking away, and, and, and it's way of thinking and living. I'm going to ask, I'm going I'm I'm to make one statement. And now don't be bashful, just us here, amen. Nobody's going to boo you out, but see if you can tell me what commercial it comes on. It don't get any better than this. But what? I know there's a bunch of drunks in here. Amen. I know that. How'd you get it out of them? Amen. No, I was telling. I shouldn't have done that. It don't get any better than this. Now, you and I sitting there, if you, if you heard that commercial, you'd say, hmm. But I wonder how many kids hear that and say, hmm, Budweiser, and it don't get any better than this. So I think I'll try that. I think I need to try that. Right? I mean, and everything, you, you know, they don't do commercials just for their just because they like doing them. They do them to sell them. I want you to know they do it to sell and to place in our mind and deceive us into believing we need it. I love this. And you, you say, "Well, preacher, that ain't powerful." Well, I beg your pardon. Last fall, Jaden was down at the house. And, and we got one of them mailers, you know, that come in. And he was a flipping through it. He said, Mama! And he come in there, and he was pointing out what he wanted for Christmas. The toys he wanted. Now, I don't think he could read, but he could point out the toys he wanted. Our love for this world. Number two, our living. Now, we're to live in this world in such a way that we reflect, put on display, that we're not of this world. So how do we do that? Well, first of all, we've got to recognize the methods of this world. God got to recognize the methods. And there's three ways the world pulls every one of us down. Now listen, just take your halo off. I, I know you're, you're so godly. Just take it off for a little while and listen because every one of us, every one of us get attacked by these three things. Number one, the lust of the flesh. The word lust there speaks of craving and longing. Flesh speaks of that old fallen nature of the old man, the part of us that still longs after this world. By our flesh, the world seeks to fulfill the desires of the flesh in a wrong way. Is there anything wrong with being thirsty? 
No. Nothing wrong with being thirsty. Thirst is a God-given desire. Nothing wrong with satisfying our thirst. When it honors God, but a cold bud doesn't honor God. Is it wrong to eat food? Look at me. Is it wrong to eat food? No. Luke 12, 30 says, For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that you have need of these things. He knows what you need. But notice what he said. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and the drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. When we become a glutton with it, then that desire becomes wrong. I'm honest with you. I almost thought about not putting this in here, but it's so bad. Uh, and, and if it bothers you, cover your blessed ears. But the desire for sex has gone crazy in our world. And yet it was God-given. Nothing wrong with it in the bounds of marriage. James Mary said this, Sex was never intended to be between a man and a woman. It was intended to be between a husband and a wife. And I say amen. Premarital, extramarital sex is fulfilling that desire outside of God's plan. And I'm telling you, it's wrecking our nation. It's wrecking it. The sin of our the sin of our nation in my lifetime and yours is this same sex marriages that's straight out of hell. God says it's abomination. Sight of God. Oh, that makes me puke. Amen. Our flesh pulls us away from God. Philippians 3:3. 3, 3. We are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Romans 13, 14. But put you out the Lord Jesus Christ and made no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Second, lust of the flesh. Number two, second, the lust of the eyes. The eyes are the gateway to your mind. And the world puts things before our eyes for the purpose of getting us to think about certain things. Joshua 7, 20, When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment, and 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, when I saw, then I coveted them and took them and behold they're hid in the earth in the midst of my tent a silver under it. I can wreck his life, his family's life, his kids, everything. The lust of the eyes. Much more powerful than you and I could ever imagine. Much more. Third, the pride of life. I was just reading for, for service tonight. For service tonight. Oh, Andrew Murray said this. He said, The great sin of our generation 
is pride. It's pride. He said the thing that keeps us from having the indwelling of God is pride. The word pride describes someone who tries to impress others with their importance. And the world seeks to get us to be self-centered instead of Christ-centered. I, Andrew Murray went on to say this. Man, bless my heart to know him. He said this. He said, the greatest mark of Jesus Christ was he humbled himself before God, his Father, and came to earth and was placed on... He humbled himself. And he said, you'll never be like Christ apart from humility. And the opposite of Christ is pride. He said, our world, and I was sitting here, and I said, Amen. Amen. We find our world seeking to live for self rather than living for God. It works. And we all struggle with this. Now, again, I said, you take your halo off. We all struggle with this at times. You know why it works so good? And, and the devil knows it works good too. Listen what he done in Genesis 3, 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, the lust of the flesh, and it was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and the tree to, to be desired to make one wise, the pride of life. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. It's all right there. Through, by one man's disobedience, sin marks every one of us. So we got to recognize the methods of the world. Number two, we got to resist the mastery of the world. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And notice what else he said. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. J.B. Phillips translates these words to, says, be not conformed to this world. He says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Share testimony. Last uh, Tuesday, we went to preacher's meeting and uh, uh, Terry Crews preached Unless I become a castaway. And then John got up and preached. I, I don't believe I've ever seen a man preach. He literally wept through most of the sermon. It was, it was amazing just to touch a God that was on that place. Here's the testimony I want to share with you. On Monday, I was thinking... Because I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I just get beat to death with this. 
Because I think preachers all look like preachers. Men of God all look like men of God. And uh, um, I, I was sitting thinking about that. Just maybe, I'm just too dogmatic about some of this stuff. Just sitting in my office, nobody, just me, just standing. Maybe I'm just, just too much over the top of some of this thinking. That just going on in my own heart. I'm just telling you now what was going on. Maybe I'm just too dogmatic about some of this kind of stuff. And, you know, maybe I can give me, uh, you know, just, just too dogmatic about things. But I went to that meeting, and I was sitting there. No brother Shook got to preaching this. He said, since when, since when did God say that we're to conform and be like the world? Where we lost, come out from among the world and be separate. Separate, saith the Lord. And he's just weeping. He said, when did we lose that? Where's that gone? When do we lose that? Just a few, not that many years ago. And you go ahead and say amen because you know it's truth. Just not that many years ago. While we done stuff this summer, we would have never done 15, 20 years ago. Not because of anything other than the fact we're Christians. We're saved by the grace of God. We're born again believers. It changed. Hallelujah. We're not going to hell. Hallelujah. And we done things that we wouldn't have done. When did God change that? When did God change that? So we find here we got to resist the mastery of this world. I mean, the world not only wants to pull you away from God, but it wants to squeeze us into a mold so it can shape us and fashion us into its image. Oh my goodness. The world seeks to influence our lives so there's nothing about our lives that resembles Christ. It has been well said. Our flesh is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. And the world's a terrible master as well. So as believers, we've got to be aware of this world's methods and flee the world's mastery. Not only do we see our love for this world and our living in this world, but our longing after this world. Now you say, but and we all do. Now, now just again... If I could get you to get honest with your own heart tonight, if I could get everyone here honest with your own heart, revival could start tonight in Solid Rock Baptist Church. Because we all have a longing, too much of a longing for this world and the things of this world. So, John verse 17 Challenges us to ask two questions. Just two. They're real simple. Why should we long for a world that's passing away? Why are we living for that which is passing away? 
and the world passeth away and the lust thereof. That means every thing in this world is passing away. You ain't going to take it with you. You, you ain't going to keep it. It's, it's, it's going one day. 1 Corinthians seven thirty one. They that use this world as not abusing it for the fashion of this world passeth away. The world will one day pass away. And how foolish it is to live for that which is temporary. Many times people say, you look around here tonight. And you say, well, where's those so-and-so? What happened so-and-so? I can answer that for you. I can answer it. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. There are those, just like Demas, that love this temporal, temporary world. I'm going to stop right here and just throw this out. I'm hoping I'm wrong about this. I don't think I'm going to be. I hope I am. But I think it's going to be a sad day when we've had the means to do for the God's great business and we've used it selfishly for ourselves. I'm not talking about giving God back what belongs to Him. I'm not talking about tithes and offerings. No, no. I'm talking about those means that could have been. I, I'm not so sure we're not going to stand before God. And, and we may not have to give an account, but God's going to say, why didn't you use them for me? Why didn't you use them for my glory? Why didn't you use them to build my kingdom? Well, that's just extra. So he comes and he says, why are we living for that which is passing? And so he comes and says, why we live for that which is permanent? But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Amen. When we live for God, we're not living for that which is temporary or temporal, but we're living for that which is permanent and eternal. And when we put God's will first in our lives, we're investing in that which lasts throughout eternity. To live for the world is to live for that which is passing. Hey, tell you this. I, I know it's going to break your heart. It, I know it's going to be ter- I know it's going to be terrible for some of you. But everything you've got at your house is one day going to pass away. Everything. But to live for God is live for that which is permanent. Jerry Vine said this, we will never put this world beneath us until we've seen a better world above us. And I say amen to that. Poet said this, well, only one life to live and will soon be passed. And only what's done for Christ will last. And I say amen. And here tonight, you can just kind of black and white.
God don't cut any corners with none of us. We all live, we're living, we're investing, we're using up life for this world or we're living for another world. Question is, which one you're living in? Now let me tell you this. Let me tell you why some of you struggle so much. Here's why you're struggling. And it's never going to end. You're never going to have a peace, a contentment. You're never going to be, you're never going to be, you're never going to attain what you're so searching for. Here's why. You're trying your dead level best to live for both worlds. You want all the world, but you want all of God. Man, I'm about to fall apart. I know. I know. Trying to live for both worlds. And we're falling all to pieces trying to get more of this world while we neglect that world. And one day, and trust me, it's coming to all of us, all of us, one day you'll take your last breath here. And I promise you, I've never been, I've never been, I've never been in a room, I've been in many rooms, been in many rooms, and I've seen many take their last breath. Been there just in days or two before they took their last breath. I have yet to see anybody say, Boy, Pastor, boy, Pastor, man, I would that God, I could have got me a new car before I come in here. Or I knew this, or I knew that, or I knew. I, I, I've never, but I'll tell you, I've heard, I've heard this so much. Boy, Pastor, would to God I'd done more for my Lord while I was living and while I could. Pastor, I wished I'd done more serving God. Second thing I hear morning, I wished I'd spent time, more time with my family. I've heard those two things over and over again. Isn't it amazing? Because you know what? Then... Nothing else is important. Nothing else is important. Here tonight, I'm going to start praying in just a few days on revival. Good place to start is get honest enough with our own hearts and say, what world am I living for? And tonight, we would just start looking and living for another world, then we can make a step towards revival tonight. So I'll stand to your feet, every head bowed, never